What is going on, everybody? My name is John Solo, and welcome to the Messed Up Origins podcast, the show where I break down the horrifying original versions of your favorite myths and fairy tales from childhood. I hope you're ready for this episode because it's what experts in the field of folklore call a doozy. Today's stories are all variations of the classic tale, The Twelve Dancing Princesses, and they are bizarre. They feature some evil princesses pulling Bill Cosby's, other princesses being turned into sheep, and a visit to a quaint little neighborhood called Hell. In other words, it's a bit darker than the Barbie adaptation you may have seen when you were younger. But seriously, if you're planning on listening to this episode with your kid, you might want to lock him in the cupboard under the stairs until it's over because these tales get pretty intense. And if you have any attachment to the 12 dancing princesses, I'm probably about to ruin your childhood. So don't you want to spare your little one of the same fate? No? Well, okay then. Let's just dive into the very messed up origins of the 12 dancing princesses. Chapter 1. Dancing in the Moonlight The story I want to start with today features 12 dancing princesses, but it goes by another name, the shoes that were danced to pieces. This tale was written by our boys Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm and was included in the second volume of their first collection of fairy tales in 1815. They were told the tale by a family friend and were the first to ever publish a story of this tale type, ATU 306, The Danced Out Shoes. So that means their rendition is the oldest that we have record of. It starts by introducing the reader to a king who had 12 beautiful daughters, which is actually the most unreal realistic part of the story in my opinion. When you have that many kids, there's just bound to be an ugly one. It's science. While all 12 of the king's daughters slept in the same bedroom, and every night he would lock them in from the outside. The strange thing, besides them all sleeping in the same bedroom, is when he'd greet them in the morning, their shoes would all be torn to shreds. Or I'm sorry, the story says they were danced to pieces, so I should probably phrase it that way. Don't ask me how he knew they were torn up from specifically dancing, though. That's just something we've got to accept. The princesses all denied that they were up all night dancing and ruining their shoes, so the king made an announcement that anyone who helped them solve this mystery would get one of his daughters hands in marriage and his throne when he died. However, if somebody volunteered and couldn't figure it out within three days, they would be executed. I think we can all agree that's a pretty harsh punishment to give someone who's trying to help you but I guess he was trying to motivate them? Apparently back then they hadn't heard of positive reinforcement. Well, despite the risk, there were many fine young men who volunteered, but their investigations all went down the same way. At night, the man would post up right outside the girl's bedroom door to make sure none of them left, but inevitably he'd start to get tired and fall asleep. And when he woke up the next day, their shoes would all have holes. Then at the end of the three days, when the volunteer still hadn't figured it out, his head would be cut off. Yummy. Now we cut away to a former soldier who's walking into the king's city when he's stopped by a mysterious old woman who gives him some valuable advice. That if he's trying to solve the mystery of the torn up shoes to not drink the glass of wine he's offered by the princess because it's laced with a sleeping potion. Like I said, taking a page out of old Dr. Huxtable's book. Then the old lady hands him an invisibility cloak so he can observe the girls without them knowing because there's no way he can abuse that power and the soldier heads to the castle. Once he arrives, he volunteers to help with the investigation. The king says okay, and before you know it, it's nighttime and the soldier's being offered some drugged wine by the oldest sister. He accepts it, but little did she know he had a sponge tied to his chin, so when he held up the glass, it absorbed all the wine. A few minutes later, he lays down, starts snoring loudly as if he's asleep, and the princesses all laugh at him for sealing his own fate. They don't give a flying fart about this dude losing his life because of them. When was the last time you heard a fairy tale where the princesses were this evil? 
evil. Believing that he's unconscious, they all proceed to get ready for their nightly disco, and then the oldest princess knocks on her bed, causing it to sink into the ground and reveal a secret passageway. The soldier follows the princesses into the passageway, which leads to a forest full of trees with silver, gold, and diamond leaves. And it's at this point the soldier almost blows his cover because he breaks off branches from the trees so he has proof of their shenanigans. At one point, he accidentally steps on the youngest princess's dress too, but when she calls out that something isn't right, the oldest one calls her a snow goose and tells her to shut up. Personally, I don't know what's so bad about being a snow goose, but apparently that princess looks down on them. Eventually, the girls arrive at a body of water where there's 12 boats waiting for them, each rowed by a handsome prince. The soldier sneakily joins the youngest princess on her boat, and the prince comments that rowing the boat is so much harder tonight. Now, on the other side of the water was a beautiful, brightly illuminated castle where joyful music was playing, and lo and behold, each prince proceeded to dance with his princess until three in the morning when their shoes had been torn to shreds. Now that the girls were essentially shoeless, they had to go back home, so the soldier rode with them across the lake, then raced ahead so he could get back to his bed and fake being asleep before they got there. And this next bit may surprise you, but the soldier actually didn't report his findings to the king right away. He decided to wait because he wanted to see the beautiful sight again. He followed the girls to the castle for the next two nights, and before his final journey back, he snatched a goblet they were drinking wine out of as evidence. On the last morning, the soldier stood before the king with the 12 princesses behind him and told them they were sneaking to an underground castle to dance with 12 princes. Naturally, this intrigued the king, so the soldier told him the whole story and showed him the broken branches and goblet as proof. The princesses had no choice but to confess what they were up to, and the soldier was given his prize. He took the oldest sister as his bride, because in his own words, he was not a young man anymore, and they were married the same day. Then, as punishment for their transgressions, the princes had as many days added to their curse as they had spent nights dancing with the princesses. Full disclosure, the story never reveals what the prince's curse actually was. I'm assuming it something related to being trapped in that underground castle, but I have no idea how the princesses dancing with them was supposed to help. Regardless, that was the story of the shoes that were danced to pieces, and I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, it's the oldest version of the story that we have written record of, but there are other versions. For example, Andrew Lang's 12 Dancing Princesses from 1857. This seems to be the version that most people are familiar with. It's very similar to the Grimm Brothers, but it has a little more detail, and the more mature aspects are toned down. This one follows a farmhand who has a dream of marrying a princess someday, and he gets a job working as a gardener on the castle grounds to up his chances. He hears about a mystery surrounding the princesses and how every night their shoes end up with holes in them, so he takes it upon himself to try and crack the case. He hides under one of their beds to see what they're up to at night, a risky move for sure, and the rest plays out very similar to the Grimm's with him following them to an underground castle and watching them dance in the moonlight. Some key differences in Andrew Lang's version though is there's no roofies involved and the suitors who came before the farmhand weren't killed when they couldn't figure out what was going on. They just mysteriously disappeared. As we all know, do-or-die circumstances were pretty common in old fairy tales, but editors in the Victorian era didn't appreciate them, hence the change. Now, normally I'd be pretty annoyed about a censorship like that, but for once, I can at least appreciate their reasoning. Because the Victorian era was a time when self-help was encouraged, critics despised the idea that those who had strove and failed should be worse off than those who had never striven. As a result, the editors didn't want to punish the blokes who had tried to solve the mystery but failed, because at least they tried. Oh, and one last fact about Lang's version I think you would appreciate, it contains a princess and the pea reference. When the narrator is describing what the farmhand heard about the princesses, he says, they were so very sensitive and of such truly royal blood that they would have felt at once the presence of a pea in their beds, even if the mattresses had been laid over it. Apparently, Lang was a fan of Hans Christian Andersen's work. Anyway, as messed up as this story was, I made some bold promises back in this episode's intro, and I plan to keep them. So let's move on to our next fairy tale, which makes the Grimm Brothers version look like it was written by the Wiggles. Chapter 2. Dancing with the Devil 
This next story, titled The Three Girls, might be both the strangest and most messed up story that we cover today. Now that may be because it was found in a book called Gypsy Folk Tales, but who's to say for sure. In terms of the overall plot, it's very similar to the past few stories we covered. A king, who in this version has three daughters, has no idea how their shoes are getting ruined every night, so he orders his assistant Jankos to follow them. But Jankos bites off more than he can chew. While spying on the three girls, he finds out that they're being visited nightly by three devils who take them through a trap door that leads them down to hell, where they proceed to dance the night away. Apparently, these broads never learned it's a bad idea to dance with the devil. What makes this even more bizarre is they aren't just dancing, though. They're dancing on beds of knives, and this is how their shoes get destroyed so fast. Then, because we're just getting started on the weirdness, the devils proceed to lay the two oldest girls on a bed one at a time and go dancing in the sheets, if you know what I mean. This is while Jankos was hiding under the bed, by the way. I can't forget that detail. The next day, Jankos reported his findings to the king, and in response, the king pulled out his rifle and shot his two oldest daughters dead, and then cut them open so the devils in their bellies would scatter. All I can say is, it's a good thing Jankos wasn't lying. The story isn't over yet, though. The king had his daughters buried and their graves guarded by soldiers, but every night, the soldiers would be ripped apart by the princess's spirits. This had gone on for so long that the only people left to guard the graves were a new recruit in Jankos. They were terrified for their lives, but lucky for them, a wise old man came up to them before nightfall and said that when the coffins open up and the girl's spirits come out, for Jankos and the soldier to jump in the coffin themselves and stay there no matter what. To make a long story short, they did exactly that, rendering the spirits' attacks on them useless, and by morning, the king's daughters were not just alive, but more beautiful than ever. The king was so ecstatic when they all returned to the castle that he let Jankos marry one daughter, the soldier marry the other, and everyone lived happily ever after. Chapter 3, Kate Crackernuts. So this next tale, Kate Crackernuts, is from the British Isle and is another collected by Andrew Lang. It's a mesh of the ATU-306 tale type as well as ATU-711, the beautiful and the ugly twin. You'll see why it fits there in just a minute. This one is basically the 12 dancing princesses with the genders reverse and the evil stepmom thrown in the mix. There's a king who has a daughter named Anne and his new wife, the queen, has a daughter named Kate. The queen is jealous of Anne's famous good looks, but Kate loves her new sister. Well, to punish the girl for being so goddamn beautiful, the queen puts a curse on Anne so that her beautiful face is replaced by a sheep's head and Kate, not knowing it's her own mother's fault, vows to find the cure. She wraps a cloth around Anne's head, they leave home and they soon find a castle that's inhabited by a king and his two sons, one of whom has come down with a strange illness that leaves him bedridden. And what's even stranger is that anyone who agrees to watch the sun overnight just disappears without a trace. But this doesn't scare Kate, who volunteers to be the night watcher in exchange for shelter for her and her sick sister. Now fast forward to the middle of the night when the prince rises up like the Manchurian candidate, gets dressed, and rides his horse off into the forest, all while looking like he's sleepwalking. Kate follows him on her own horse for not just one, but for three nights in a row, and each time he leads her through a mysterious forest to a magnificent dance that's held under a green hill. Apparently homeboys hanging out with some hobbits. Here's the thing, the forest the prince leads her through is not just any forest. It's inhabited by fairies and they happen to have exactly what Kate needs to solve all of her problems. On her second night following the prince, she steals a magic wand from a baby fairy and cures her sister's sheep head with it. And on the second night, she steals a bird from that same baby fairy and cures the cursed prince by cooking it and feeding it to him. In the end, they all return to the castle. Kate marries the prince and marries his brother and they all live happily ever after. I'll admit, I didn't do that story the justice it deserves, but we'll be talking about it again in the future as a featured fable. So keep your eyes peeled for that. As for this episode though, that was the messed up origins of the 12 dancing princesses and a few other stories that it may have evolved into. I hope you enjoyed it and learned yourself a little something in the process. 
thank you all for tuning in to the Messed Up Origins podcast. We're posting episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So don't forget to sacrifice the five-star and follow buttons to the algorithm gods to make sure they bless your feed with more mythological and folklore content. If you have any thoughts on this episode you'd like to share, like if you really enjoyed it or are dying to correct my pronunciation of something, hit me up under the Messed Up Origins handles on Twitter and Instagram. And to those who are craving more Messed Up Origins, feel free to check out other episodes of the podcast or look up my YouTube channel called John Solo to experience the original episodes complete with visual aids and custom-made artwork. Until next time, Solo fam, my name is John Solo, and don't forget, John shot first. <laughs>